0: Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you so very much for taking a moment to take a look at the book with me. We're going to be studying about the Feast of God. I have a five-part audio series on CD entitled that, The Feast of God. How do they play into end times activities? Well, the Bible talks much about the Feast of God. They had a historic and agricultural background, and they have a great prophetic significance. Let's take a moment and listen to another portion of this five-part series entitled, A Trio of Feast. We'll be back in just a moment to tell you how you can get your copy of The Feast of God. Right now, here's the study.
1: Keep in your finger in Deuteronomy, uh, excuse me, in Leviticus 23, look at Numbers 28 and 29. God, through Moses, in the book of Leviticus, in the book, well, actually, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, gives certain portions of the law, lays out information, You're aware, I'm sure, of the fact that every Jew has more than ten commandments. He has 613 mitzvahs that he must be responsible for obeying. And uh, if he breaks any of those, he has broken the entire law. Here in the 28th and the 29th chapter of the book of Numbers, he's going to lay out for them what they are supposed to do as it relates to the sacrificial activities for each of these feasts. In verse 9, it's talking about the Sabbath day. In verse 16, it's talking about the the 14th day of the first month, Nisan, which is Passover. And then in verse 17, unleavened bread. Going on down to verse 26, the day of the first fruits. Chapter 29, verse 1, the feast of trumpets. In verse 7, the feast on the 10th day of the 7th month, which is Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. Here in verse 12, the 15th day of that 7th month, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. And he lays down here the sacrificial responsibilities that each of these Jews have as it relates to the 7 feasts. He lays down every every one of the feasts has a correlated sacrifice and certain types of sacrifices that are are going to take place there. And so we see then that it has a historical background, it has a um, it has an agricultural background, it has a sacrificial background, but it also has a prophetic aspect to it as well. And in the 23rd chapter of the book of Leviticus, we're going to see, as we study together tonight, a continuation of our thinking on the signature of God on His Word, so we can know for sure it's His Word in the prophetic aspect. He's looking for it. All of these are going to be types, prototypes, models of that which is to come. In other words, a shadow, and a shadow cast its image forward of the real thing. The book of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 17, the shadow of things to come, as it's referring in verse 16, to the high holy days, to the, to the Sabbaths, and to all of those responsibilities they have, the new moons, etc., And so we're going to see a prophetic significance in the feast. Well, look with me at the feast, if you will, in the 23rd chapter. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them concerning the feast of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations. Now that means a Sabbath day, a very holy day, a day laid aside, no work involved, only to honor and worship God, a day of rest. A holy convocation even these are my feast six days shall work be done but the seventh day is the shabbat or the sabbath of rest a holy convocation ye shall do no work therein it is the sabbath of the lord in all of your dwellings he talks about the sabbath and you know the sabbath is significant i don't know that if you've ever been touched with the shabbat a jewish shabbat probably here in the united states is not as significant but living in the city of jerusalem as judy and i do Every single Friday evening, as the sun goes down until Saturday evening when the sun goes down, they say, How can you tell us when when it's Shabbat? When you see three stars in the heavenlies, you know it's Shabbat. When you see three stars in the heavenlies, you know Shabbat is over. The Sabbath is over. And going through and living through those Sabbaths has been an unbelievable experience the last six and a half years that Judy and I have been living in Israel. An unbelievable experience. Now, I am not involved in keeping the sabbath i do drive a car on the sabbath i talk on the telephone i walk farther than i'm supposed to walk i don't even eat kosher food all day on the sabbath to tell you the truth maybe you notice that but uh i you know it has been a thrill to be involved in the sabbath it's unbelievable the nation almost completely closes down the buses don't ride uh, the planes don't fly uh the one train that we have doesn't operate uh, I mean, it's unbel- Almost everybody is quiet. Everybody's still. Uh, it's just an unbelievable... You don't answer the telephone. Can you believe that? They just let the telephone ring. Uh, it is just a very, very unusual day. God gave it for a special purpose 3,500 years ago. Keep your finger here and look back over at the book of Exodus, chapter 31, just for a second. I want to show you something in Exodus 31. Exodus 31, he has given them... Until this point, from Exodus about 25 to 30, he has given them information about the tabernacle and what's going to be done. He's continuing on about the tabernacle and that they have a day of rest. Verse 12, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Exodus thirty-one twelve. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Shabbat, or my Sabbath, ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout all of your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Can you imagine for 3,500 years keeping a day, and that day being an absolute testimony that there is truly a God? And to walk in the land and see them observe the Shabbat, the Sabbath, it thrills my heart to, to realize there's a sign he gave to the world that there is a God. And these people consistently for 3,500 years have been keeping it. God has marked these people as his people. God has set apart these people unto himself on this Sabbath. And part of the, the, the undergirding for the feast, the foundation for the feast is, I've given you this Sabbath as a special sign. Back in the 23rd chapter, we've got the undergirding. It's a holy convocation. It's a day of no work. It's a day of studying and loving the Lord. King David, he so loved the Sabbath. There's a tradition that we have that after Shabbat, everybody goes to the streets. If you've ever been to Jerusalem, the place you want to be on Saturday night after the Sabbath is Ben Yehuda Street. You go down and you sit at these little outdoor cafes, sipping your coffee, drink, eating your ice cream, whatever. It's just a marvelous time to, to be there and see everybody. I mean, this little street, you may have 50, 60, 100,000 people on this little two-block street coming down after the Shabbat. King David's scepter tradition, uh, the Malacca Nova, is called. I believe it's a close translation, excuse me, uh, a little bit off. But uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. He said, look... God told me one day that I would die on Shabbat. And every and he, and he said, that's so thrilling because that's the day I'm closest to him. I'm studying his word. I'm loving him. I'm talking to him. But he says, then if I live through the Shabbat, I know that I've got another week to live. And so he tries, and they call the Shabbat the Queen. And they want to take the Queen with them. I mean, it's marvelous. I went to an Orthodox home for a Shabbat meal. We got finished at the synagogue reading through the daily reading for that day. They read through the entire Torah, first five books of the Old Testament every year, and then they have what is called the Simcha Torah at the conclusion that it's one of the greatest celebrations in Israel. Can you imagine celebrating having quiet time as a nation? I mean, can you imagine, President United said, well, we're going to celebrate everybody reading through the Word of God this week. Praise God. Wouldn't that be... Well, we do it in Israel. Some Torah, they get together, and they dance around with the Torah, and I have a great time, and they start reading again. Well, anyway, after, this, after the Shabbat evening service, I went home with this, with this rabbi... And we got to his house and there were two other men that had come along and the four of us, the four men got together and we, you know, you, over there you don't dance with women so there's no problem of immorality. You just dance with men. And so uh, we, oh, well, that could be a problem. No, anyway, you, you dance with men and we got together. We Yeah, I almost had a heart attack, the way they dance. I mean, you know, it's unbelievable. You can't get unspiritual in that kind of dance. But anyway, uh, and you know what we were singing? We were singing a song welcoming the angels into the Shabbat, into the Sabbath. It's unbelievable because God has set that as a sign to mark them, to mark them as his people, to set them apart unto himself. The undergirding for all the feasts. Now let's look at the feasts, uh, and let me just take tonight as we study through the first three feasts, because uh, let me say this: there are seven feasts. There are seven feasts. There are th- there in, 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 in uh, two different areas of time. The first four feasts, which would be Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits, and Pentecost are the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, meaning 50, from a, uh, a, a Greek derivative. So you have the first four feasts. These are spring feasts. They come in March, April. Then you have a group of three feasts, the last three feasts, which would be Trumpets, or Rosh Hashanah, Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, And Feast of Tabernacles, those would come in the fall, September, October, according because the calendar of of the Jewish people is only 360 days, so the days would vary just a bit. Let's look at the first three feasts tonight. We'll look at the fourth one tomorrow and then the rest throughout the rest of the time we have together.
0: Thank you so very much for taking a few moments to take a look at the book, the subject, The Feast of God. How do they play into end time activities? Jesus Christ was crucified on Passover, buried on unleavened bread. He resurrected on first fruits, and as He promised, the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. By the way, there are three fall feasts the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus Christ will fulfill those feasts as well in the proper day sequences. Now, if you want to understand how the feasts predict the end-time events that are happening in our day, you need to have your copy of this, The Feast of God, a five-part audio series on CD, available right now. You can call our toll-free number. It's 877-674-3298. That number is toll-free from across America. Call and order your copy of The Feast of God. Again, that number, 877-674-3298. Or if you'd like to, you can go right this moment to our website, www.prophecytoday.com and order your copy of the Feast of God, a five-part audio series on CD, available for you right away. And let me just remind you, everything that we've talked about in this study, and in fact all of the study of the Feast of God, indicates that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. Every prophecy that needed to be fulfilled before the rapture, when Jesus calls us to be with Him, Every single one of those prophecies have been fulfilled. The rapture will begin, the prophetic events prophesied in God's word that must happen before Christ comes back. Evidence of the fact that Jesus Christ could shout, the archangel could shout, and the trumpet God could sound to call us to be with him in the air. That's the rapture. By the way, that could happen at any moment. And having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until...